0: Hi guys, my name is Gil and I'm an alcoholic. Sober by the grace of God and, and the process that's outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I wanna thank, um, I wanna thank Gilbert for, uh, for showing up tonight and um, being an example that the work that we do around here with the help of a higher power gives us results. That if you mess around with this idea of the 12 step process, it might just transform your life. Right? I, get, I don't get to see the results so much in myself as so much as I see the results in the men that I work with and for that I am forever grateful. Um, Laura, thank you for asking me. And um, you know, before we get into the story, right? Because it's all about stories, right? It's always about the story., I, I want to hear the stories like a movie. Netflix, right? The story. Um, I'm just very grateful for for this for this moment, for this moment in time that I get to hear, a man brimming over self-reliance and contentment. You know, I get to see and experience the 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 transformation happen to this man, Gilbert, that's going to be celebrating a year of recovery. And I get to say, holy shit, man, like, I'm being used instrumentally in the lives of other men. There, there is nothing else, like, You know what, look, I'm going to tell you what they used to say around here is get a commitment. You know, you'll stay sober, go to the meeting and all that stuff is cool. That there is nothing else. There is no other experience as watching the lights turn on on someone. On the other end, on the receiving end. There is nothing like the experience as taking somebody that's broken. That has no clue on what they are up against and spoon feed them this work that we do, the 12-step process, and having them speak so eloquently. I saw the power of God in that man's eyes tonight. And I'm blown away by like, wow, I'm just a drunk and a drug addict, and so is he. What has happened here? I never would've thought like I would be used in this way. I I thought like my life would be great. Like I would get a hot girlfriend and, and, and I'm gonna get a great job and I'm gonna get a bank account with money in it. And I'm gonna get the kids back and I'm gonna pay my taxes and all those third dimensional things, which are great, they're wonderful, but that's not why I'm here tonight. That is not what my purpose in life is tonight. And I'm very clear that my purpose on on the earth plane at this moment is to stay sober and to help another alcoholic achieve sobriety. That is the gift that we get from God. So if you're new tonight, How's there, there's a saying, there's an old saying that I like, if you're new or used or in between, I want to let you know that there is a process, right, of recovery that allows us access to real power, to a power much greater than ourselves, That will do the impossible. The power that I serve today brings back alcoholics and addicts back from the gates of death. From the gates. It's important for me to say the gates because that is where my drinking and using takes me. I go to the gate of death. And I love it there. I thrive on insanity and death. As we develop the story now, it's like, I'm going to let you know, I just came up on five years of recovery. February 2nd, 2016 is the day that the universe opened up. And just a little bit of willingness, right, for me to be broken enough one more time. To be mangled one more time, because I drink and I use drugs when I don't want to. I had to be beaten into a state of reasonableness. And I was just I was just a seconds and inches away from a willingness just going away. They talk about the gift of desperation. I've had it many times, you guys. So February 2nd, 2016, I woke up in another detox, right? And I was just tired. I was tired. I was sick. I was sick of looking at myself. I was sick of feeling the person that I was. I was sick of the of the drugs and alcohol coming out of my system so many times so at rapid succession right i was at a breaking off at a jumping off place man and um you know at that point i just i said a simple prayer one more time like i remember the treatment center calling and you know i had run i had run away from another treatment center a month prior to that and you know um Because they just, they never really offer me a solution. They give me a bed, they give me food. And you know what, in 30, 60, 90 days, I'm okay. I'm all right, one more time. I get a great idea, the light bulb goes on, ding, I gotta go. Thanks for the help, I'll see you later. Right? But it's like our our first speaker said that this is, a problem of a deeper or a deeper rooted condition, a deeper rooted problem. Drugs and alcohol are not my problem, they are my solution to life because I don't know how to live. So I'm gonna tell you guys, we're gonna rewind all the way back to when I was four, 13 or 14 years old and I took my first drink. My father's an alcoholic Also, not because the way he drinks is because what, what, what happens to him when he drinks. And my dad's sober by the grace of God, 10 years now. And, um, my dad came home drunk one more time. And, um, he told me, Gil, we're going to drink together tonight. You're going to become a man because you're going to be the man of the house. Because I am leaving because I gotta go. And you're gonna be the man of the house, Gil. So we're gonna have a toast to you becoming the man of the house. And when he said those words to me, you guys, I said, it's about time. It's about time that you do something for me Instead of beat the shit out of me every night or when you drink, instead of beating the hell out of mom all the time, right? Instead of beating up my friends when they're here and you're drunk and you embarrass everybody, please leave. Yes, please leave. And let me drink with you on top of that, even though I had sworn many times as a child never to drink because I didn't want to be like him. I swore I never wanted to be like this man. I never wanted to smell like him. I never wanted to have the eyes he had, those beady eyes. When he's intoxicated. But here I am so excited that we're going to drink together. Because I'm going to become a man like a rite of passage, right? The most toxic rite of passage I could ever imagine was about to happen to me, but I was excited. So what happened was that he told me to go get a bottle, two glasses, and um, and and some soda, some some Coca Cola that we had in the fridge. And uh, and I remember we cracked the bottle, a brand new bottle that was in a box of Johnny Walker's Black Label. I remember this bottle vividly because um, I'm telling you, I was so excited about this experience that I was just staring at the bottle. I had a, 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 little, a little man walking with, a, with a, a little gold man walking with a top hat and a stick, right? And um, I remember the box, the, the velvet box, the black box, matte with piping, gold piping. I remember it to this day perfectly because I have a photographic memory when it comes to destroying my life. For the good things I do in life, I don't remember so much as the bad things that I do in my life. I can tell you the last time I smoked crack and where I was at and what corner I was at of downtown LA. I can tell you the last time I shot dope. I can tell you the last time I did something toxic, destructive in my life, right? I remember this bottle and this box and this and this setup that was happening. It was like a ritual. And I remember... He asked me, "Pour me a drink, and I'll pour you a drink." So I poured him. I poured him some, and then he poured me some, and then um, we mixed it with a little bit of coke, and down it went. And it tasted and it smelled horrible. And I remember I could bet I could barely get that hot, nasty, burning coke down my throat without almost coming up again. But what it did when it hit my belly, what that liquor did to me when it hit that belly was a spiritual experience of itself. The big book in Bill's story says I had arrived. I had an experience where, where that liquor hit the pit of my stomach deep down where I live, right, where the fear is, where all that fear and anxiety and worry is, right? I needed a drink already when I was 13 years old. I was riddled with fear. I don't know about you, but when I took that first drink, I love the effect produced. When it went down deep and hit the pit of my stomach deep down where that fear is, and it took everything away for a little while and I relaxed and I was able to take a breath and I had arrived. I felt at that, at that minute in time and I understood why he drank. I understood why that man drank because I told myself, I'm going to drink for the rest of my life. I'm going to fucking drink. Maybe not like him, but I'm going to do practice this this ritual that we just did. Because it feels so good. I felt like I I w- like like do you remember black and white television? <laughs> You guys remember black and white television, right? And then when you got yourself a zenith in color, like the cartoons look totally different. Saturday morning cartoons came alive, man. When you watched color TV instead of black and white TV. Cause I remember my grand. look, sometimes we had to live in my grandma's house when I was little and I have this recollection of watching a black and white television with the knobs. And then my parents, Having a little money and buying a color Zenith TV, and I remember that's how I felt the first time I drank, and 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 the first time I got I got I got drunk, and the alcohol worked because I felt like my my vision became in color. Right, and um, what happened was that I put my life on the line the first time I took a drink because I don't recall the amount that I had to take. All I know is that I woke up in the middle of the night vomiting all over the bed, right? And the vomit smelling and all the food came out and all the alcohol came out and all the soda came out and the smell, right, that came out. I told myself, oh my God, I drank a little too much. Maybe I should have drank half the bottle instead of the whole thing, right? There's something abnormally wrong with me because a 13-year-old child shouldn't be able to metabolize alcohol the way I did. I took a drink with my father when I was 13 years old and I drank like a, like, like, a, like a 30-year-old man. I didn't take one drink or two drinks. I drank the whole fifth because he passed out and two drinks in because he was already intoxicated, right? And my idea my mind told me that we need to finish that bottle because we opened it and we don't want it to go to waste. And that was my drinking and using career. From the first night I put, I, I put alcohol into my system till February 2nd, 2016 is that I finish every, everything, everything I ever start that I ingest, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pills, weed, crack, heroin, The substance is not the problem. So I drank and I drank and you know what? I remember like being sick and violently ill when I was, you know, that night, that first night and my mom having to nurse me back to health because she was so scared to take me to the hospital because I had alcohol poisoning. And I remember telling myself next time I'm only gonna drink half and I can't wait till the weekend. And I remember being so sick I couldn't even hold chicken soup down. And I remember telling myself I'm only gonna drink beer. I'm gonna lay off the hard stuff <laughs> because the problem is the way I think. And I drank beer every weekend, you guys. And you know, where I where I grew up, there was a a, a little corner store a bodega. We used to call it the Hindu hookup because um, these these uh, these Hindus that ran the shop. Uh, would l- let kids buy alcohol. That's just the truth. They would, they would let us buy beer and wine from them. And we would skip school. And, um, and we would drink beer. We would drink 40 ounces of, of Colt 45. Mickey's, St. Ives. Um, Old English 800 was my favorite beer to drink. And I love the effect produced. I love holding a 40 ounce bottle in my hand and taking three big pulls off that bottle and feeling like I had power in my life and feeling like everything was gonna be okay. Right? I could do life like that. Then I had the girls and we had the place to go and we had music and we were smoking blunts and we were drinking 40s And man, life was joyous, man. Like, I had a spiritual experience every time I drink. I don't know if you have what I have. I have alcoholism. It's this disease that tells me that you don't have it. So we're going to get good and drunk. Because you don't have what your dad has. You're different. You're not going to end up in prison the way he did you're not going to end up dying the way your grandfather died at 39 playing pool in a bar or like your great uncle that shot himself in the back of your grandma's house with a 32 because he was puking up blood right because he had cirrhosis of the liver at 30 at 40 years old you don't have that shit what we're going to do is we're going to drink 40s and blunts for the rest of our life, and we're going to hang out. And we're going to try to do our best in school. And we're going to try to do our best in life, but we're going to drink 40s and smoke blunts. Right? Life was wonderful. So I'm going to let you know, like, the disease, this disease that we have, alcoholism, what I have is progressive is that 140 wouldn't get me drunk anymore. I needed two, right? And I started having problems with my drinking was because I I started having consequences. I started getting beat up, right? I started blacking out and hurting myself, right? And what happened was that I started mixing, right? Like a chemist, like the alcohol with, you know maybe a little bit of powder cocaine because cocaine is not my problem. Right, I won't have to drink so much if I have a little cocaine and enjoying a time in the club. I, you know, in my twenties, I started going to clubs, and it was a great time. And then I started having problems. I started getting arrested. I started catching DUIs, and and I started catching um uh uh, uh problems. Man, just more problems. It started stopped being fun, but I needed it, you guys. I needed it. I needed. It. I tried to kick it so many times. But I needed a drink because drinking gave me ease and comfort. I'm an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, right? Our big book describes the alcoholism that I suffer from. I put my life on the line for another drink. I drive drunk all, all, all over a town. I don't only put my life on the line. I put whoever's life on the line is around me. I am violently antisocial. When I drink, I like being by myself, right? I have these two beautiful children and I I, I believe that, you know, like I had a beautiful uh, uh, a fiance and I believe that, man, those, they deserved a good life, you know what I mean? And um, in reality, I just needed another drink. I tried with all my will to stop drinking on my own willpower, but they had to go. They had to go, you guys. And what happened was that um, in, uh, in 2009, when I was 29 years old, what happened was that I was drinking with some buddies after work and you know I just needed another drink and I drove my car into a police cruiser on, on the corner of Lincoln and Palms because they were in my way. They were in my way between me and the 7-Eleven, and I took the corner a little too fast, and I ran right into this police cruiser with the police men inside the car. And they were so mad at me, you guys. They were so fucking mad at me that they were trying to send me to prison for six years for endangering the life of two police officers. They were so mad at me. They ripped me out of that car, and I woke up in the felony drunk tank. And the felony drunk tank, you guys, is a—it's very different than the misdemeanor drunk tank. The felony drunk tank is for people that have just murdered somebody, or that have robbed the bank, or that have done felonies, like dangerous things. And I woke up in that in that cell, and I was like, I'm not in the right tr- tank. Like there was this guy talking about that they just—they they just caught him with uh, 20, uh, 20 kilos of cocaine down the street. And there was another guy that he, uh, he, he shot his girlfriend. And there was another guy in there, uh, you know, uh, there was just so many grave people in there that I was like, dude, I don't belong here. And I was reading the paperwork cause I was in a blackout and I was reading the paperwork. You know, it says I endangered the life of two police officers. And, and, and that um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, I'm facing three felony charges. And I was broken and I was, I was shocked. I was shocked that I'm an alcoholic, man. I need to stop, I need to stop this shit, man. I I don't want to go to prison for six years. When I got in front of that judge, I begged. I freaking begged for a program. I begged for some leniency. And what they did is that the help came in the form of a treatment center. The judge was like, if you don't want to go to prison for six years, you need to go, to, you need to go live somewhere for six months, an inpatient treatment center. We're going to send you. We have three pa- uh, treatment centers. And when they said Claire, because it's in Santa Monica, California, I was like, I'll take Claire because it's right by the beach. Please, I'll go to Claire. I'll do anything you guys say. I just don't want to go to prison. I was in there for 14 days. And when they released me, you guys... They released an alcoholic that didn't know what he was suffering from. I didn't know that I needed a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening in order for me to stop drinking. Right. And what happened was that my thinking always takes me back to the first drink. And then when they let me out of jail, what happened was that I told myself, oh, my God, you're an alcoholic. You can't drink no more. I felt like the gates of of hell closed behind me with a clang. As the writer of the big book, Bill W. describes it so eloquently, it says that this book has been written in masterly detail about me. Right. I felt like the gates. Closed behind me with a clang, not when I got to jail, when they released me sober and they told me you can never drink again, you need a program. Because you're going to go to prison. I had a joint suspension, meaning that if I start drinking again, and if I have contact with the police, I'm going to six years in prison. I felt unmanageable. I felt full of fear. My best thinking told me when I got to that treatment center was that I better find something I'm not addicted to that I can use instead of alcohol. I better tell them that they need to give me something to take the edge off because I'm riddled with anxiety. The big book calls it a hundred forms of fear self-delusion, right? I am have this delusion in my mind that maybe alcohol is the problem and that if they give me a different prescription, if I tell them the right things, they're going to give me a little pill that's going to solve my problem and it's going to calm me down, right? And I got to see a psychiatrist and I got to tell my story and I you know what? I told them, look, I have, they gave me 10 different kinds of pills. They gave me whatever, you know, they, they, they gave me Xanax. They gave me Ativan. They gave me, uh, uh, they gave me Seroquel. They gave me Lexapro. They look, dude, look, look, they told me I was bipolar and that I need to take medication for the rest of my life because when my when i stop drinking is when the problem of alcoholism wakes up go figure when i'm drinking i'm pretty sane but when i stop drinking i become insane <laughs> right i have a mind that tells me i don't have it and i'm going to but it tells me also you're not you're not a pill addict maybe you can take all these pills and one of them is going to help you calm down and, 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 and have a relationship with your children and get out of jail and get out of court. And, and one of these pills is gonna fix you. So what happened was that I started taking all these pills, all these combination of pills. And I really, really enjoyed the way that Xanax, the combination of Xanax and Ativan did for me. I really enjoyed that. The mind told me, you don't have a problem with pills. You're gonna have to take these bad boys the rest of your life, but we can't touch alcohol because then we won't be sober anymore. Right? So I'm telling you, I was riddled with fear, anxiety, worry, self-delusion, self. I was filled with self, self-seeking, self esteem problems. I was so full of shit, man. I'm telling you, right? I was so I was de- delusional. Look, I came in 2009, you guys. I came into the rooms in 2009. I didn't get sober till 2016. I went through, I went through 12 treatment centers, 11 detoxes. I went to jail four times, and I became addicted in that nine years because I try to solve my alcoholism with just meetings, just meetings, just being of service, just go to meetings, just go to a gang of meetings. Look, get the right sponsor. Maybe crack isn't your problem. Maybe we could smoke and enjoy crack. We can, we can do a little bit of, of crystal meth. We can, you know, we can smoke heroin off tinfoil because that's not a problem. We're alcoholic, you know, but we're not going to drink because we got to stay sober. Right. And I developed, dude, this gnarly alcoholism, this addiction to I, I, I it developed for other substances that nearly killed me. I became a full-blown heroin and crack cocaine addict. And what's crazy about it, is, what's crazy about the story is that I would always drink. Once I was nice and high off the other substances, I always took a drink. The last day I, I ended up in that detox, I remember they opened up my backpack and there was two airplane shot bottles of Jack Daniels, brand new. And I remember the nurse going like, oh, you didn't get to these. And I was like, let me have them. Let me just just look that way and let me just take them down before I have to get sober. Right? And I'm here to let you know guys that that was just the beginning of my journey because I have the mind of a chronic alcoholic which always takes me back to the first drinker hit right? It says peculiar mental twist. I had this peculiar mental twist in my mind. Strange mental blank spot. Like I'm in a sober living. I have five months of sobriety and I get this idea that maybe I need to go smoke some heroin before I get sober this time. It was like that for seven years in and out of treatment centers, in and out of institutions because I heard that meeting makers make it and like don't leave before the miracle happens and I was sitting in your meetings dying I was sitting in your meetings dying of untreated alcoholism because I looked at the steps on the wall as optional I wish someone would have told me back then when I first got here, that guilt, like those, the process, the program, the 12step the program, Alcoholics Anonymous is the 12 steps that are written in a book, which is called Alcoholics Anonymous. and the meetings come from the book. I wasn't aware. I thought the meetings was a hangout place. Like you know how like in a psych ward, they sit you and you have uh, they sit you in that circle. I've been to a couple of psych wards. I don't know about you guys, but in the psych ward, right, they sit you in this little circle with like all the all the patients there, and everybody, you know, they, everybody shares, kind of like here. But and they're going around in a circle, and that's what I thought Alcoholics Anonymous was. I thought I was just going to have to come to these meetings and dump on you guys for the rest of my life. Like, Risha, I'm here to dump on you like my problems today. I'm here to let you know what's troubling me. I'm here to let you know and share with you how shitty my life is. And then I hear the old timer say, keep coming back. I was dying. I was dying. I get sober for five months, 30, 60, 90 days, five months. I got five months once in seven years. And my life was shit on the inside. I was so full of fear that alcohol does this trick. It does the, the, alcohol is my solution. I'm telling you, man, like from a sober state, I always drink again. I'm very clear on the first step. I'm very clear on what alcoholism manifests in the life of Gil is that I have a truly strange disease that tells me I don't have it. And I buy the lie that this time is going to be different. And those steps on the wall are optional. So I really don't mess with them. Right. And I try to get the sponsor that that, that has all the third-dimensional stuff on the outside, right? That has that has the car, that has the girlfriend, that has the money. Because that's what I want. I don't know that the 12-step process is going to allow me to recover from alcoholism. I wasn't hearing, maybe I wasn't ready yet to hear the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, the message of depth and weight. Just like we heard our first speaker, Gilbert, talk about with not even a year of sobriety that he recovered. I heard other things. I heard men and women with lots of years of recovery saying that they're recovering alcoholic. And I was like, dude, if I have to be 20 years sober and I have to say I'm still recovering from alcoholism, I don't even want to be here. So if you're new or you're used or in between, I'm here to let you know that recovery is possible. And the recovery that I'm talking about, that the process allows me to have through a recovered sponsor, is that I recover sanity. Sanity. Is that I get to recover? I take the, I take the this broken mind through this process, and it allows me to recover a relationship with my higher self. If you told me that I was going to have six months into this work, and I was going to recover from this hopeless state, and I was going to transform into a new person by just Getting a sponsor and taking my mind through this process, I would have told you, I wouldn't, I would, you know what, let me tell you something, it's like the matrix, you take the blue pill, the red pill, let me tell you something, meeting makers, in my opinion, this is my opinion, I went to a gang of meetings for years, gang of meetings, I would make probably a 1000 meetings a year, easy. I'm going to let you know what my sponsor told me. This is for the new person or the used person or the person in between that suffering behind in these tiny little boxes, right? I'm here to let you know that meetings don't treat alcoholism, you guys. It's been my experience that meetings don't treat alcoholism. Meetings are there to fellowship, and maybe find a sponsor and to share the good news of recovery, but what the transformation that needed to happen for an alcoholic of the hopeless variety like me was that I needed to drink and do enough drugs to be able to get to a point, this jumping off place, to ask for spiritual help because drugs and alcohol are spiritual in nature if that makes sense that i needed a spiritual relief in the in the form of a higher power through the 12 steps through a sponsor god's grace is so beautiful man because i'm going to let you know something i didn't work steps for the first 29 days of my of my sobriety and i'm here to let you know that sobriety looks very different than recovery sobriety is just me stopping how do I feel on the inside once I've stopped for 29 days? I get brilliant ideas that maybe this treatment center with their garbage ass food is the problem again. They ain't giving me the right meds. They don't take me to the right meetings. But I begged and I knocked on that door and I begged them to please scholarship me. All of a sudden, the help becomes the problem. So what happens is that sobriety looks very different than recovery because I AMA, that means I left against against medical advice one more time when I had 29 days of sobriety. In March of 2016, I, I ran away from that treatment center one more time. In reality, I was just... I didn't run away because I wasn't locked up. I was just am eight. I, I had a better place, some better places to go, but God's grace is so good because I went to a, I went to stay in, a, in an ex girlfriend's couch, right? And this is this is my experience, you guys. I went to a noon meeting because she told me you got to get up out of the house and find a job or do something. You better go to a meeting. I remember her telling me you, be, you better go to a meeting because you can't be here loaded. Mind you, I had overdose in, in 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 her house two months prior. To that right but i beg and i borrow and i do all these and i say sweet promises right and here i am at in this woman's house again and i went to this 12 noon meeting right and by god's grace i'm telling you because i hadn't been working any steps this is how i know god's grace is real god's grace is a gift because i was going to go drink again i was gonna go smoke again right but god's grace and inter intervened in this moment and I got to hear my sponsor sitting on, 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 on that chair over there, and he said that he had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and that drugs and alcohol aren't, aren't his problem today, and that he's a free man. and that he can go anywhere other free men go without problem. And that he had recovered. And I was like, wait a second. This guy's saying this guy's drinking some other Kool-Aid because he what he's saying don't really match up with the thousands of meetings I came to before. He's saying he's a free man and that he doesn't need any meeting or sponsor to keep him sober and that he lives with a power greater than himself in his life that works for him and it keeps him sober and he recovered that just landed different on me than just go to another meeting, Gil. Go be of service. Go pick up cigarette butts. Think, think, the, think, it, think the drink through. How can I think the drink through if by the time I start thinking I'm already loaded? How can I think when I don't have a, a, a defense? An effective mental defense against the thought of the first drink. How can I think? This is when I, I start feeling the power of God starting to speak through me, guys, because I start feeling lifted up right now. I start feeling the energy, man. I don't even know what I'm saying. I might be speaking in tongues, but I'm letting you know something. That when I start talking about the recovery process, something happens to me. I ask God to speak through me for somebody that's sitting in this room. I would have sold myself short if I had just recovered by going to a gang of meetings and not working this process. And I'm not gonna sell out the newcomer short of letting that newcomer in this meeting tonight know that you can recover from alcoholism And you can have access to power. The power of the living one. The living creator working in your life. And then you get to go anywhere on this planet. With coronavirus, no coronavirus. With pandemic, pandemic, no pandemic. Right? I'm here to let you know and attest. To the process of recovery that's in our book, Alcoholics Anonymous, with a sponsor, right? Something has happened to me, you guys. I am not the same person I was five years ago. Shit, I wasn't the first. I'm not the the same person I was a year ago. I'm not that guy anymore. Something has happened to me. I got to see in the first step, right? The sponsor read the doctor's opinion to me on on, on day 29. Look, this is what happened. This man said that he had recovered. He's free. And I believed him, right? Anything was better than what I had at that moment. Because I knew I was going to get loaded again. Because I've had an experience for seven years coming in and out, in and out, like a revolving door. Very dangerous. Don't do that. Work the steps. Find you a sponsor. I, got, I, got, I grabbed this man and I said, listen, I'm going to die. I was 35 years old. Look, man, I'm going to die. Can you help me? You said some really cool shit from your seat. I hadn't heard that before. And he goes, are you willing to go to any length for victory over drugs and alcohol. And I remember him telling me like. Wow okay that's kind of an instruction. Are you willing? I was like look man. What are you going to do for me? Like how, can, how can, you, can you work the steps with me? He goes look here's my phone number. Here's a prayer. He gave me a set aside prayer. And he sent me home. He said, call me for a week, say the set-aside prayer every day as many times as you can, and after a week, I'm going to decide if you're worthy for me to waste my time with you or not waste my time with you. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, this guy just didn't wasn't, wasn't like, yes, I'm going to pick you up and take you to a meeting, and I'm going to take you to coffee, and I'm going to take you to, to dinner. He that dude didn't even offer me any freaking dinner. He decided maybe I'll work with you, maybe I won't. It was very different, you guys. I'm telling you, that experience wasn't like the other experiences. He was like, maybe I might do it, maybe I won't. I don't know. Say this prayer you're gonna need a higher power because I'm not gonna keep you sober. Don't give me that, that job, right? So I said the set-aside prayer and, 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 and I called him for a week. And what happened was the coolest thing ever is that he invited me over to his house and he bought me a big book. And we opened the book in prayer together. And he read the doctor's opinion to me, guys. And it was the coolest thing ever because when he read the doctor's opinion to me in prayer, it made sense. It explained many things which otherwise I could not account. It explained why I was an alcoholic, why I get drunk, why I start using drugs. It explained and it told me in such masterly detail that I suffer, I suffer from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer and I'll continue to do this to myself to the end of times, because I suffer from a physical condition. I have this allergy in my body that once I take a drink or a hit, I can't physically stop. All bets are off. When I take a drink or a hit, I'm done. I physically can't stop, I crave more. I can understand that language then he told me you are different from the average tempered drinker. Look at what it says on this page, Gil. It's telling you that these types are not drinking to escape. They're drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. It's telling you that you are mentally different than other people. That you have this thing, this obsession, this mental illness. Guys, it's a mental illness. Guess what, it is in the DCM books. It is a mental illness. Alcoholism, drug addiction is a mental illness. Welcome to the mental club. Alcoholics Anonymous is a mental club of of people with a mental illness that only a spiritual experience will conquer. That's what the book that they wrote in 1939 says that the doctor put his name on it. Dr. Silk was saying that we are abnormal in the mind and the body. This sponsor, man, wrote, read the book to me and I was like, oh, shit, this is so cool. Because it explains to me in masterly detail what I suffer from. It explained to me finally why I drink from a sober state and once I start, I can't stop. It explained to me, you guys, what the unmanageability is that I suffer from when I stop drinking, why my life becomes so crappy. Why I feel so empty on the inside. Look, man, let me tell you something. At one point, I had the hottest girlfriend in AA. Right? Look, I had the baddest girlfriend in all the meetings I went to. And she finally slept with me. Look, you know what happened? I felt empty again. And I, and I have a mind, right? that like thinks everything is the problem. Like I have, I have a mind that like is a, it makes up problems. I built up a case against this woman. And I was like, dude, she doesn't, her toes are not that pretty. Like she's not that hot. What was I thinking? Like I was so discontented. Look, I get sober and I get this really good job opportunity. And I go to work for this really good company. And all of a sudden they ain't paying me enough. Right? Because I suffer from a spiritual condition. Deep down within me, where the problem lies, is this self, this ego. It's masked with lies and resentment. Right? The big book talks about unmanageability of spirit. It's a spiritual disease, dis-ease, meaning that I am not easing comfort, meaning that I'm always in some kind of turmoil or pain. Right. They call them painkillers because they kill the internal pain that I have. This wound of the human condition that alcoholics suffer from very deeply because it's a form of selfishness. If somebody would have explained to me, alcoholism is a disease of perception, is a disease of of self-centeredness and that the only thing that I have to do is get other-centered through the 12-step process, I would have been mind blown. I know that's my time. I'm here to let you know something real quick. The 12-step process has allowed me to have access to power, has allowed me to tap in to this power. What happened is that I got other-centered. I found out that I suffered from a deeply rooted spiritual condition, that only God was going to help me that I was going to be in this place one day that there was going to be no God around and I better have a relationship with God. And that's what the process has allowed me to do. Look, steps four through nine are the action steps. I wrote inventory, right? Three inventory: sex, resentment, and fear. I got to read all this shit to my sponsor. He told me, no big deal. Guess what? Me too. And I was like, really? No big deal? Nope, no big deal. Why don't you go write another list why don't you go pray for and meditate for one hour step six and seven and write another list because it's all about the list so you write another list and with this list you're going to have the keys that are going to open up the future and then go make amends to these people and i did that not because i'm a nice guy not because i'm worthwhile not because i'm worthy of it it's because i didn't want to drink again very clear so I started making these amends and what happens was that I moved into steps 10, 11 and 12 and they became a daily reprieve. Steps 10, 11 and 12 is where I'm at today spiritually. That those are the barometers of where my life is. Step 10 is I watch, step 11 is I pray and meditate, and step 12 is that I practice these principles in all my affairs and I get to carry this message to the sick and suffering alcoholic. And, to, and my duty, you guys, the third dimensional stuff is really cool. But my duty to, tonight as a recovered man in Alcoholics Anonymous is to give this to another alcoholic. And watch their life transform. So that I know that the process and that God is working in my life miraculous. Something has happened to me, guys. I am not the same person I was. I don't even know what I just said. All I know is that something has happened to me. By God's grace, the obsession has been removed. I am not that guy anymore. I suffer from other other shit. But the obsession to destroy my life with drugs and alcohol, that option has been removed. And I am free tonight. I am a free man. I go anywhere. Without disaster. That's all I got tonight. I hope I said something that resonates and I hope I said something that lands on somebody tonight. Recovery is possible. Thank you for letting me share.